Facing danger and loving it. We are the SpyFi Guys, and this is Get Smart. Welcome to the SpyFi Guys, where we cover spy fact, spy fiction, and everything in between. I'm Zach. And I'm Christian. And welcome back to our Swingin' 60s Spy Summer. All this summer, we've been breaking with our usual formula to cover exclusively fictional, some more than others, spy movies and TV shows made or set during the golden <laughs> age of spy cinema, the 1960s. So grab your go-go boots and put on your ascot. It's time to get groovy. And this week, we're covering the show, Get Smart. We're covering two episodes of it. Now, what was your experience with this show before this? This was my dad's favorite show when he was like a kid or a teen. So I okay. know that Barbara Felton is hot and he has a shoe <laughs> phone and he has a cone of silence. All right. So I grew up watching Nick and Knight and I know this was one of the shows that was on there, but I don't remember much from it other than the theme song, the shoe phone and like the opening credits scene with all the doors. That's what I remember the most is all the doors. Okay, so it seems like the shoe phone is the common denominator here. <laughs> seemingly, seemingly. Yeah, and then I learned a lot of other stuff from the movie that came out with Steve Carell, like back in, what, 2000-something. We'll be covering that next week. Yes. We covered two episodes. We covered season one, episode, what, 19? I believe so. It's called okay. Back to the Old Drawing Board. Yeah. And the plot summary, according to IMDb, is Jaime is introduced to control as Chaos tries to kidnap a control scientist. All right. So we start in this what looks like a lab. We've got a scientist and uh, agent there. I don't think we found at the very end what the scientist's name is. It's Dr. Ratten. Mm -hmm. But the agent, who is a Chaos agent, is, uh, what was his name? Mr. Nats. Yes. And it's very sudden start. It like yeah. opens with them looking at the monitor, but it doesn't like fade in or have like calm music. It was strange. <laughs> it's a pre-credit scene, is what it is. It just starts. These old shows, though, they like to have an establishing shot. Oh, that's like, true. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, but whatever. Point. That's fair. That's fair. Ratten and Nats are watching this other scientist, Doctor Shotwire, who's like really smart and uh, working for the Americans, and they see him like building this model of a moon craft. And we find out that Chaos wants the Doctor. Now, did you know about Chaos Control a little bit? I sort of put two and two together. You know, we've seen this before. We've seen Uncle, Uncle and Thrush. And Thrush. I was going to say Larch, yeah. but thank you. <laughs> yeah, so basically the same deal. There's, there's mm -hmm. one good spy organization and there's one bad spy organization. Mm -hmm. But I was like, okay, so this scientist is building a moon vehicle. So does Chaos want to go to the moon? Maybe. Or maybe they just want his expertise in building things. Okay. We don't know. We don't know why Chaos wants him. Just that he's a scientist and they want him. I get the impression that this show does not have well-developed motivations for a lot of its characters. I don't know. Nat says that, you know, they keep trying to get Dr. Shotwire, but they've got one of the best agents guarding him, Maxwell Smart. Mm -hmm. And we find that apparently, like, you know, Smart has managed to evade Chaos on numerous occasions, but... Dr. Ratten says, well, I think my man can help you. And there's another man who's just been standing there in a corner. So I thought this was funny. And I don't think it was an intentional joke. I was, they say, quote, he's probably the most accomplished evil genius in America. And he corrects <laughs> them and says, the world. the world. I was like, so his big plan is to walk over and have one of his henchmen do it. 
Oh, you thought that? <laughs> you need evil genius to ask somebody to do that? I thought that was pretty funny. Yes. He's going to have his man do it. Nats is very skeptical. He's like, your man can take out, take care of Maxwell Smart. And, and you so, know what this reminded me of? Was the, he may not look like it, but he's the most dangerous man alive meme. Have you seen that? I have not seen that meme. Okay, I'll, I'll send it to you after this. All right, all right. Anyway, so, Nats demands a demonstration, so Dr. Ratton, apparently he just has the 800-pound gorilla in the corner. Is yeah, that a joke? Is... <laughs> like, let's, uh... oh, no, it's an elephant in the room, not a gorilla. Yeah, it's so strange. I guess they just <laughs> had it to be there to fight him. But I liked how the guy was very clearly uh, just a guy in the gorilla suit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, this is the 60s, and it's a TV show. They don't, they don't have the funding to get a real gorilla. <laughs> and I also like that the robot just walks up to him and punches him. That's yep. like the way they start the fight. <laughs> the guy just knocks him out. And then, like, Nets also, like, has him stand in front of him and fires a gun at him. Nets is like, wait, what is he? Not he, it. Yeah. You find out it's a robot. So this, of course, reminded me of Archer, the bionic berry. Uh, maybe, yeah, okay. But I was like, this is a pretty good twist. Okay, a robot guy. I kind of like that. Yeah. And also here is where we first hear the laugh track. And what did you <laughs> think about the laugh track? I was fine with it. I wasn't so fine with it. So I think, and as of time of recording, we're uh, how many episodes into WandaVision? Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, that's so true. My mind is already set to being okay with a laugh track at the moment, just because it's in that mindset. I guess nothing else we've watched has had a laugh track yet. That's true. Nothing we have had. Yeah. I, well, I was trying to think of the last trade of comedy we did. That was probably OSS 117. Yeah, and there's no laugh track. And I mean, Some of the other ones have comedic elements. Yeah, like Avengers had comedy, but being mm. more British, I don't think they really do laugh tracks. No, but the thing about the laugh track in this show is that the yeah. laugh track didn't have that much to laugh at. And when they did laugh, it was like kind of like, he, 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 he. You didn't have like okay. the big guffaws. You know what I mean? I mean, also because I watched so much Friends growing up, laugh tracks are just like, I barely pay attention to them. Okay, interesting, interesting. Because, yeah, Friends like runs on a laugh track pretty much. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, so I, I, I didn't really notice it. I, like there were times where I laughed and, you know, oh, yeah, there's a laugh track. But it didn't really like phase me. Mm -hmm. Also, point about WandaVision, I believe they filmed those in a live studio audience. So it's not necessarily a laugh track. Yes, that's fair. This one sounded more like a legit laugh track. So he shoots the robot, and the robot has a clip-on tie, which I thought was fine. I didn't even notice the clip-on tie. Good eye. <laughs> and so he can, like, take his shirt off, and you can see all the electronics underneath. Okay. Mr. Nats says he will give him a million dollars if he can do the job. And then mm -hmm. we go to the credit scene with the very iconic mu music from Get Smart. Like I said, this is the thing that I remember is all the doors and like Maxwell Smart drives around the corner in his convertible mm -hmm. exits, goes into the room. And then there's all the different doors that do different like they slide open in different ways. He goes through all of them. And then at the very end, he goes to a telephone booth and like dials a number and then drops down, which I think we talked about this. La Was that just last week with the Avengers? Uh, yeah, last week, the Avengers movie, they do that. Yeah. But the did you notice in the credits who created the show? Yes. Mel Brooks. Mm -hmm. Well, co-created. Yeah, but once you see it, Don Adams reminds me of Mel Brooks a lot. <laughs> Especially the way he plays the character. Well, you know who else Don Adams played or voiced? I don't know. Inspector Gadget. Yeah, got a little typecast there, huh, Don? Uh -huh. <laughs> 
which I mean, I I watched a ton of Inspector Gadget as a kid, so his voice like it just brings me back. And he like he does the same voice. Is that how he actually normally talks? Dude, heck, have I know? Yeah, I didn't look up any interviews or whatever. I wouldn't be surprised. I feel like in these old shows, they don't really do voices. I made finger quotes around the word do there. <laughs> Great for an audio medium. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so after the credits, we have Max meeting with the chief. Oh, yeah, we skipped over the part where Max, they watch Max on the screen and he's like playing with the model and like completely destroys it. Yeah, we get the impression of the kind of person he is. And I, I do like a joke here. A lot of jokes here are obvious, but I did like this one where he says, I didn't set back his work six months, more like three or four months at the most. <laughs> yeah, so we find out there's going to be a party for Dr. Shotwell. And so Max and Agent 99 are going to go to the party. And they're going to take Agent 91 with them, who is a new agent that was going to be basically shadowing them. Not just him, also Agents 27 and 44. The agent numbers were coming fast. But I don't remember 27. I remember 44. I okay. think 27 is the one that gets... Oh, no. That's not right. I don't know. The, the, I, Agent 27 44. was definitely mentioned, though. Okay. He's going to meet Agent 91 in the garage. But, and of course, you know I love it. A good code phrase. Yeah, a code phrase he can barely remember. <laughs> so it's like, I guess he's like an idiot. I Like, I thought he was bumbling. But I thought he could remember stuff. Well, I think it's more that it just doesn't make sense. Oh, he was trying to, like, wrap his head around it? Yeah, because it's oh. blue sun melts the red snow, and the purple water runs uphill. <laughs> and I'm going to always go back to my favorite, which is from Rush With Love, where the code phrase is, excuse me, may I trouble you for a match? I prefer a lighter. Better still, until they go wrong. And so it's like, it makes sense. Right, it sounds like whereas, an actual conversation. Yeah, whereas this sort of thing is like, no, that just is nonsense. Well, it's supposed to be funny, of course. Yeah. Well, but what also made me think Maxwell Smart is like kind of dumb, besides being bumbling, is yeah. where he has the paper and he says it's written in some kind of fr- code phrase, and then <laughs> and they turn it upside down. Yeah. yeah. Again, it's obvious, but it's like kind of still kind of funny. It works I, I, for me I, more I, than I laughed. Yeah. yeah, I laughed. But the other mm-hmm. thing is, he's also asked to not use his shoe phone during the party, mm-hmm. but to use his watch phone. Yes. Because I was waiting for the shoe phone to be used, but. It, no, we just got the watch phone. I was disappointed that the shoe phone was not used in either of these episodes. I but was going to reference it. They referenced it. But yeah. yeah. So we're back to our Mr. Nats and Dr. Ratten with Jaime. Mm-hmm. We find that Jaime has memorized okay, shot wires. Me, and... Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah. I, was, I thought about talking about this in the spy fact versus fiction. Yes. Have you Googled the word Jaime? No. Okay. What? If you look it up on dictionary.com or any dictionary, it yeah. will tell you that the word Jaime slang offensive for a Jewish man. Ooh. And this Did was not know that. And here's more information about it. Jesse yeah. Jackson famously, when he was running for president in like the eighties or something called New York city, Jaime town. And then Eddie Murphy made fun of him on SNL about it. So Ooh. my question here is, is did they name this character Jaime intentionally as like a joke on that? I don't know. That is a, I did, I did not know that. And mm-hmm. well, do we know when that slang came about? Well, I don't, I don't know that. I don't know the whole okay. history of the word. Like, I'm just wondering, is it's like, did it somehow come from this or did this come from that? I don't know. Like chicken or egg. What is, that's my question. Like which came first really? Yeah. So, I probably but, should have done the research before I brought it up, but I didn't. But so. that's, that is interesting <laughs> to know. Yes. Um, Jaime has memorized shot wires like entire career. And mm-hmm. we find out that Jaime also takes things very literally. Yeah. Did this work for you? Oh, yeah. 
Really? A childhood yeah. full of Amelia Bedelia books didn't make you think this was no longer funny? Nope. <laughs> Still works for me. Okay. Mainly because I sometimes make jokes like this, so, eh. Oh, okay. Well, it really hit the spot then. Well, like, for example, he says, take off, and he starts flapping his arms. <laughs> that one was unexpected, actually. Like, the other thing is like, oh, shake. Oh, that, that is obvious. But the take off, that one's like, <laughs> I did not see that one come. The thing about things like that is it shows you how many colloquialisms. Very true. Is that the word? Is that the yeah, term yeah, that we yeah. use in, like, day-to-day life? Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Well, that's like, wasn't there an episode of Archer where they're dealing with colloquialisms? I don't remember that, but I would believe it. Yeah. And the thing is, it's tough if you if you don't speak English as your native language. Mm. I can only imagine what a nightmare that must be. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Oh, it was like an episode where Archer's stranded on a deserted island, and he has like the one guy who's there, and mm. he keeps speaking in colloquialisms or metaphor like metaphors which don't translate to the natives. Mm-hmm. So Jaime somehow gets to the garage where Agent Ninety One is. And mm-hmm. 91 gives a code phrase, thinking that Jaime is sm- Agent Smart. And Jaime just doesn't say anything, and they, like, fight. And Jaime, you know, easily subdues Agent 91 and hides him in locker or something. I like the part where Agent 91 breaks an axe over his <laughs> <laughs> That was pretty hardcore. Yeah, but pretty quickly after he hides him in the locker, mm-hmm. Smart and Agent 99 who we really don't find... Liz, I guess the first time seeing 99. Uh-huh. But we don't have to get like no introduction to her or like just that she's another agent. Well, it's like Mrs. Peel. She's his partner. Yeah. And it's interesting to compare the two of these pairs. How so? Did you notice major differences? Well, yeah, because at least Mrs. Peel seemed to have you know some skills where I didn't really see 99 doing much. That's true. Well, she's very good at at checking out other women. But we'll get to that <laughs> we'll later. We'll get to that, yeah. Um, also, um, I think the major difference is that she clearly is subordinate to Maxwell Smart, whereas the other two seem more like partners. Where, and I, I will get to this in the movie, mm-hmm. but and maybe this happens more in like other episodes, which is not just the ones we watch, but it seemed like 99 is definitely the more competent of the two. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was like, going, watching, having watched the movies, I was expecting that sort of you know, um, relationship between the two. But I didn't see it here. So I was like a little curious. Yeah, it's the classic sitcom thing of like the dopey guy with the competent significant other mm-hmm. woman. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, smart and 99 give the code phrase and Jaime having heard it gives it back. So that's pretty smart. Yeah. That works. They all, they all go to the party and the like the where the party is, the venue is like in the super 60 colors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like Batman 66 or the 67 Casino Royale. It's like explosion of colors. Well, it's like the fancy 60s party as opposed to like the Austin Powers, the nightclub 60s. True, true. Psychedelic. Yeah, yeah. Right. I also like the part where Max is like, all right, let's go. And he, he kind of taps Jaime <laughs> on the chest and makes like a clanking sound. Yeah. Max tells 99 to check out all the women to see if there's anyone suspicious. Mm-hmm. And as this is happening, Ratten is on the radio to, with Jaime settling him to disarm smart and destroy his gun without him knowing and he managed to do that very easily which is weird because it's not like having a gun would help him anyway not against Jaime the robot good point huh, I, I guess know. he could have killed the scientists to prevent them from getting to him it's a little hard for that's, this show yeah that, that doesn't sound like something that Max would do so we have agent 44 who is in a clock like a grandfather clock yeah and, and this conversation goes on for so long <laughs> I was okay with it though like because 
I, you know, I love the sign counter sign. And so when mm -hmm. they start having an argument over the counter counter sign and the counter 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 sign, I was yeah. like, all right, that's pretty funny. And I did like when he's like, oh, you're using the old book. That seemed like something that could totally happen. Uh, I know there's a recurring character who's like always in clocks or mailboxes or stuff like that. So I was, mm. and I, so I just assumed that this is him. Okay. Yeah, he's Smart like getting all depressed about being <laughs> stuck in all these things. He never gets to wear his tuxedo. But, mm -hmm. you know, even if he did, no one would see it because I'm in a clock. <laughs> It's funnier to talk about than it is to actually watch it. Yeah. This also seems like the kind of thing that would happen in Archer. It's like he meets a contact and needs to have him go through a therapy session. <laughs> so Max goes back to the party and Jaime says that there's nothing strange going on. And then Max gets a call on his watch phone from, mm -hmm. from the chief. Says that there's a chaos agent at the party. And Max is like, are you sure? He's like, yes, we're sure. I'm here with the real knight. <laughs> And Jaime accidentally, I'm using finger quotes again, <laughs> <laughs> but you can hear it in my voice, hopefully, accidentally crushes Max's watch phone. Says, I just want to see what time it was, but it's all destroyed. I do like how the wrist phone has a thing that extends from the wrist mm -hmm. up to the ear, as opposed oh, to like nice. Buzz Lightyear or Dick Tracy, where it just has a little speaker that goes off. <laughs> Which... This goes into a whole other thing, but it always annoys me. And like when there's that sort of thing, it's like no one else can hear it, too. Yeah, it's convenient writing that people don't eavesdrop on the speaker. So Jaime crushes that and Max sends him over to Agent 44 to see if he has any intel. Mm -hmm. Before he can make any report, Jaime punches 44 and knocks him out. Yeah, he does that a lot in this episode. And so... Jaime comes back to Mac. Oh, I don't think I wrote down here the you know them trying to be nonchalant and do exactly what I do. Yeah, again, it's a pretty obvious joke, but it's kind of funny, especially yeah, when people. I, start, I was amused. Especially when people start to like notice them. Yeah, I thought that was funny. But you notice they're not exactly the same though. Like some of their finger movements are a little different. I thought I saw this, but did it look like Jaime paid more attention to a woman who was going past than Max did? Yeah. I, because I was looking at Jaime, looking at her, and Max was a little bit more subtle about it. Yeah, I guess. And then I think my favorite part, though, was when, like, Max accidentally knocks over the glass. Jaime, like, hesitates and then just breaks the glass. Yeah, that was good. That's an escalation we don't normally see with that joke. But and then I like the shot of everyone just staring at them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like, is this a bet? Is this like a parlor trick? Max realizes they're all staring. All right, let's go blend in. So they go over, have a drink. and. Dr. Ratten doesn't know what's going to happen if Jaime drinks. Mm -hmm. Max is saying, here, just have a drink. And Ratten's on the radio saying, don't drink it. And so he's getting like all these conflicting inf instructions and viewing machine short circuits. And so does Jaime. And he starts to smoke, which is yeah. the audience like that, the loud track like that. I don't understand why it's mixed messages because Smart is not his builder. So why does a message from Smart have equal strength or whatever? as from the scientist. I'm going to go with he was given an instruction to blend in. Mm. And so as, as if, if he's trying to be undercover, he's going to listen to Max's instructions because he's supposed to if he was actually 91. Okay, it's a little convenient writing, but yeah. whatever. I do like how these episodes kind of move things along. Mm -hmm. They are like, what, 25 minutes. So they're, they yeah. move pretty quick, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Later on, we see that Jaime is getting very close, like sitting right next to Dr. Shotwire and talking with him. Max is a little concerned about that. So it tells 99 to go distract Dr. Shotwire. 
while Max goes to talk to Jaime and like brings him into a, the coat room to talk. Yeah, I, I like the pep talk. He's like, listen, listen, Jaime, you're a good agent. Just got to stay focused and get it together. You have a bright future here. And then Jaime kisses him, which is funny. <laughs> yeah. Unexpected, yeah. They leave the coat, ra- coat room, and 99 thinks that they need to get Dr. Shotwire out of there before Chaos can make their move. But of course, mm-hmm. Shotwire doesn't want to go. He's still annoyed with Max for destroying the model. Yes. So Max asks Jaime to talk to Dr. Shotwire. <laughs> and so 99 and Max are like, wait, how did you get him to, get him to go? And he's like, well, I told him that I was a robot. He says, I appealed to his scientific curiosity oh, and right, told yeah. him I was a robot, which is great. It's hilarious. <laughs> I would not have thought that he would do that. It's not exactly blending in, but whatever. Yeah. And so he like opens up his shirt to show them that he's a robot, but they all, of course think that he's just like had that prepared to make it look like he was a robot because he's a mm-hmm. very prepared agent. And then I'm trying to remember what triggers him to actually knock out Smart. Smart says, wow, you're really prepared. All right, let's go. Well, knock me out. Oh, that's right. It doesn't really sound like the kind of thing people would say even in the 60s, but whatever. Uh, I can live with it, yeah. Disney's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a line in one of their songs that's blow me down and pick me up. So, that like, that kind of thing makes me think that, okay, that's a kind of saying you'd say that. Yeah, there's like, well, there's lots of sea shanties that are like, blow the man down. That's Similar true. idea. Yeah, I'm going with it, is what I'm saying. Okay. So he knocks out Max and then apparently picks up 99 and Dr. Shotwell. And yeah, I would have liked to have seen lab. that. Well, Max is our audience perspective. So, we, mm-hmm. you know, when he wakes up, that's when we see it. Yeah, it probably would have been a little tricky to do that stunt anyway. Especially uh, anyway, so down. he wakes up in a chaos lab. Everyone's tied up. Mm-hmm. And Nats and Ratten enter. And we find out that uh, Max had put away Nats for... 19 years, like, got him arrested. Mm-hmm. And so Jaime comes in. They find out that he's a, actually a real robot <laughs> and not just, yeah. you know, pretend robot. Mm-hmm. And then Dr. Ren orders Jaime to destroy Max, but Jaime doesn't want to. There's something that bugs me here, and maybe okay. I'm being unfair for the writing in this show, but right. multiple times in this episode, Nats has said, I want an hour alone with Smart. I'm going to like really get my revenge on him. I'm really huh. going to savor it. But then once he has his moment, he just tells the robot to shoot him. Is That's it so Nat- lame. No, I don't think Nats does it. Ratten's the one who orders him to shoot him. Yeah, but Nats is the client. You know, uh-huh. the customer is always right. The Nats could have said no. I don't remember him saying that. I, I just remember that he wanted his revenge. Well, well, actually, no. His goal is not to get smart. It's really to get Dr. Uh, Shotwire. And he, I, Max I is disagree. just a bonus. I disagree. I remember uh, him having a grudge against Smart. That's what I, I mean. He had a grudge, yeah, sure. But the goal, and he said it in the beginning, the goal is to get Dr. Shotwire. Okay, that's fine. Maybe we can go back and watch it. But I, I guess it's like the writers were like, you know what, we got to move this along. Let's just have him shoot him. Let's not have him be put in an easily escapable death trap. We've all seen that. I a mean, bunch at least, of time. yeah, we don't, we don't have that, which was nice. But I like this. So Jaime doesn't want to kill Max and is like even crying, which robot can cry. Do androids dream of electric sheep? <laughs> and instead, like very rapidly, he just shoots Dr. Ratten instead. Yeah, and, with, and the music is like a wah, wah, wah. <laughs> right? <laughs> and he knocks out Nats. And this is because Max was the first person who actually treated Jaime like a real person and not just like a tool. Mm-hmm. So we go back to control headquarters where the chief meets Jaime. 
And Jaime's invited to join Control, but declines because he doesn't like violence. Yeah, he like abhors violence, which I appreciate. Because he's the only one to kill somebody in this episode. And that's the end of the episode. Well, one last thing is he says he wants to work for IBM to meet other intelligent machines. <laughs> yeah. All um, right. Do we do our ratings and favorite quotes now, or do we do it later? We'll do the quotes now, and then we can do the ratings in Spy Fact vs. Fiction later. All right. I have a few favorite quotes, so why don't you All go right. first? So you kind of said some of the ones I want to do, like about the evil genius or about the IBM. Oh. That I like, so I had, but I had two others. I had, mm. aside from his vast knowledge, he has the dexterity to take apart and re reassemble the entire wiring system of any missile in the world. There's only one thing he isn't able to do. Set up a lawn chair. <laughs> I guess if they had done it today, it would have been set up an Ikea furniture. <laughs> yeah. And my other one I had was, but you were once highly respected scientist working on the side of good. What happened? It didn't pay well enough. Uh, that reminded me of budget cuts from A Long Kiss Goodnight. <laughs> mm. I mentioned one that I liked, which was the most accomplished evil genius in America. Yeah. But then when they say Jaime's name, the scientist is like, I made him. I call him what I want. He's kind of like <laughs> right. actually mad about it. <laughs> that right. made me laugh pretty hard. Yeah. That was the Dr. Ratton's father's name. Yeah, that was a joke they repeated, yeah. which I didn't find as funny. Yeah. I found him getting upset, which is much funnier. <laughs> yeah. And then also a little later was when Smart is like, come on, Dr. Ratton or whatever his name is, the mm. good scientist. He oh, says, Dr. Shotwell. Yeah, Dr. Shotwell. He's like, come on. And Dr. Shotwell says, you know how I feel about you secret agents? <laughs> like very loudly <laughs> in this party. Yeah. All right, so that was our first episode. Our second episode we covered was called A Spy for a Spy. It's season two, episode three, I believe. Yes, it is season two, episode three. You are correct. <laughs> and the IMDb plot summary is, both sides are kidnapping agents at such a rate that almost no one is left on either side. <laughs> yeah, so we start with a magician in his dressing room getting shot by his double. Mm-hmm. And the double takes the wand and this and a few other things, puts him inside his like pockets and sleeves. Mm -hmm. Max and ninety nine have taken the chief out to dinner for his birthday, and so they even had a cake that do they say like the chaos bakery and like uh, the control bakery did? Someone yeah, because control. they have the invisible icing, and who yeah. else would do that? <laughs> <laughs> I know it was the control, but I was like, is it? Did control have a bakery? Does what was it? What was it? The control mm -hmm. lab? I don't remember. But yeah, so yeah. there's a cake with invisible icing which i like that was a nice touch this also seemed like the kind of thing they would do when like the man from uncle they are all like real chummy with the boss so mm -hmm. and so the magician comes on stage and we find out his name is siegfried the great and so of course he does some tricks and then for of course one is his last big trick he needs a volunteer and of course he picks the chief <laughs> which max and 99 are like go on go do it yeah they're pretty gullible and so of course the chief put into a, a disappearing cabinet and disappears along with Siegfried. And then the lights come up and they don't come back. So wasn't this in like Batman or something? I feel like they do this a lot in fiction. I'm trying to think. I feel like there is a Batman villain in the 60s show who is like a magician, but I do not recall. By the way, you can tell Siegfried the Great is not a real magician because he keeps referring to his acts as tricks. They're illusions, <laughs> Michael. I perform illusions. <laughs> I'm not going to repeat that line because we sh we're mostly PG. <laughs> mm. We try. But inside the disappearing cabinet, they see a note. And mm. It says, Chaos has a chief. You'll hear from me. Maybe this is just me or maybe they change it season to season. I thought that like the credit sequence changes. 
but I, I, it looked exactly the same to me. It looked the same to me, yeah. Yeah. So, because I, I, I like specifically watched, like, is there gonna be something different or something? But no, it was all the same. So I don't. Maybe if I watch a few more like other seasons of it, maybe it cha- does change. Yeah, maybe it changes around seasons four or five. <laughs> After we, the ones we watched, I don't know. <laughs> By the way, do you know that Star Trek: The Next Generation? For some episodes, the opening credits. Oh yeah. When it says Star Trek: Next Generation, it like kind of has like a graphic where it like has lines b- behind the title. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. I always thought that was weird. <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to talk about how, like, after season, like, three or four, like, the opening title sequence changes entirely. And starts the next generation? Yeah. How does it change? Well, at first, it, you have, it's actually in the solar system. And then it comes oh. out from the solar system, Earth's solar system. And then in the later seasons, it's, like, a random solar system with all these other planets. You know, I don't think I noticed that. Really? Yeah. Now, I what? don't think I... Watch the early seasons enough. Okay, well, but you can tell, and this is going way off track. We can, <laughs> might, we can cut this out if we want to, but if you watch, because they couldn't replicate the star field for the for some other stuff. So in later seasons, the ones that you probably watch more, when the yeah. last big planet with the ring around it comes through, look at the stars inside the ring versus stars outside the ring. They're completely different. Okay, yeah, I will look for that. Thanks for telling me. All right, back to the show. So. Mm-hmm. We have a meeting for, of all the control heads. We find out apparently Max is the head of agents. There's another who's like the head of the labs, another person who's the head of like administration. That's right. The chief's disappeared, so Max wants to take over as a chief. The other two heads also want to be chief. And <laughs> Max even tries to like say, all right, there's a clearly a proper procedure. I'm thinking of a number in my head between one and 10. <laughs> yeah, that was great. But I thought they were going to call him on it, that they were like, wait a minute, we should all be guessing equally. <laughs> So this power struggle thing I thought was pretty funny, and I kind of yeah. wanted to see more of it. I like that Max even had like a little plaque ready right, to just go. Just ready to go. <laughs> but ninety nine points out that only the chief superior can say who the replacement is, but they don't know who the superior is. But Max is like, "All right, you know, what? I'm going to call the very top." And mm-hmm. so he calls the numbers. Oh, ah, I see. He's busy at the ranch. No need to bother him. Yeah, I don't. Know. Was was this like supposed to be Lyndon Johnson or something? Yeah, because he's a Texan. Oh, yeah, that works. He's at the ranch. He's a cowboy. <laughs> For some reason, the first my first thought was, I think, you know, maybe because there's a watchman. I think a cowboy actor is president or a cowboy <laughs> is president. I think of Ronald Reagan. Yeah, I also thought of Ronald Reagan, but that was like, it's the 60s. So, yeah, of course, so I'm then I was like, wait a minute. OK, this is post Kennedy. Oh, Johnson. It's like it's too early. Doesn't make sense for Nixon. OK, Johnson. That makes sense. They instead have to check the secret. Com- well, see, this, OK, actually, this is where I get a bit more of 99 being the competent one. He's mm-hmm. like, well, no, we should check the chief's uh, secret compartment in his desk. Except it's not really a secret if they know where it is. I think if you look around long enough, eventually you'll find the secret. Whatever. So it is. they do all these things, and this part opens up, and it says Zebra Six Four Two. And I, I like this bit where they have like books, books with different covers, which ha- are you know, oh, the green book is actually in the blue cover, and vice versa, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it was funny. It just went on a little long, but I do appreciate that they didn't say at the end, just goes to show you can't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> I feel like they thought they nailed the joke because, I mean, it's, it's obviously a pun about, you know, cover identities, but also book covers, which was nice. I like that. Mm-hmm. And they're like going through all this process to go call, f- find the guy in the phone book. Mm-hmm. And then this whole thing is dropped pretty much when Siegfried calls. Like, that's the last we hear about the power struggle. 
Yeah, I, I think that's right. I guess the idea is they found the guy, so there's no need to struggle anymore, but the guy they found doesn't do anything for the rest of the episode. They don't even call him. They probably called him in a deleted scene. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> well, I don't, so Siegfried calls Max and says he wants to meet Max to talk about the exchange for the chief. Mm-hmm. They even talk to the chief to get proof of life, but then, of course, if, before he starts says anything more, you know, he gets knocked out by the butt of a pistol. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to meet at the southeast corner of Potomac Park, which makes me think, wait, are they in D.C.? Yeah, they never say what city they're in. I always assumed it was New York City. But Potomac Park, that's that's a very D.C. location. I guess so, then. I or guess at least so. it sounds like a D.C. location. Mm-hmm. So they go and meet, and they're both wearing these ridiculously sized, like, coats. Mm-hmm. And they both claim that they're unarmed. And, like, as they're talking, like, all these guns start falling out of their coats. Uh, one quick thing that you jumped over. Oh, what did I jump over? Yeah, what did I skip? Is, is they do like the Nazi like heel click. Oh. I guess it's not only the Nazis that do that, but when he does, he breaks his shoe phone. Oh, yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Like it's a little bit funny, but repeating that's it funny. did not make it funnier throughout the course of the episode. I, I, well, I mean, it, it, it worked. And we'll talk about this at the very end. The, the comedic mm-hmm. rule of three, it worked for me. Okay. Right, so they're pulling out their weapons. I like his machine pistol, which looks like Booker <laughs> DeWitt's pistol from Bioshock Infinite. And I also liked when he's like, oh, I don't have a pocket watch, and Max is oh, like, no, you can have mine. pocket knife, yeah. You have an extra one. Switchblade, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we find out that Siegfried wants the X-11 in, mm-hmm. in, change of, in exchange for the Chief. Apparently, it is the U.S.'s latest defensive weapon. It's a laser-powered missile detector. Right. And there's only three, one of which is in the Chief's secret vault. And so they're going to meet back there in two hours for to do the exchange. And so Max returns to the park with 99 at the meet. He has a big briefcase, which mm-hmm. they give in exchange for the chief. And they do the exchange, except both of them gave each other fakes. Yeah, that was great. It was really funny. I was like, <laughs> they like just throw dummy. the chief yeah, right? throw the dummy at him, literally. I do like how there's no hard feelings when it's over. There isn't like, you tried to trick me. Well, you tried to trick me. Yeah. So All fair at, in the spy game, sorry. Yeah. Back at control, Max gets a, that's a call from Siegfried, and he says, you have two hours to deliver the real X-11, or they're going to kill the chief. 99 is like, no, we can't give up the X-11. Max is like, of course not, but we can give them Chaos's top assassin, Carl Danker. Yes, but we don't have Carl Danker. But we will. I'm going to go get him. He says, I'm going to bring him in just like that. I was like, wow, it's a good thing he isn't like in Australia or something. <laughs> And according to the International Spy Museum's intro video, Washington, D.C. has the most spies per population than any other city. Maybe he just means the top assassin in the immediate area. Maybe. Maybe that, too. Or maybe just everything in for this show happens. Actually, it feels like everything in the show happens like in the D.C. area or whatever <laughs> the area is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, it, it makes sense. No, it doesn't. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Seat of power and all that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You also find out that Danker has killed 19 control agents and has gotten away every time. But it seems like Max finds him pretty easily in this random alley. Yeah, just walking down the street. I guess he's easy to find, but hard to take out. That's that's probably it. Has him at gunpoint. But of course, Danker has a gun in his briefcase. And I mean that not inside the briefcase, but built into the briefcase, which I thought was kind of neat. It was really neat. And it reminded me of the laptop gun from Perfect Dark. Ah. I was going to say, it reminded me of the briefcase from, from Russia with Love, which yeah, has I'll all this. It. <laughs> no, it has all these gadgets, but not, and it has a knife that pops out. Well, yeah, so they have a fight. Actually, I, I like the dialogue here where Max is like, I know you've escaped 19 times. And then Danger's like, 20. Really? They told me it was 19. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of good banter between the two of them. This, this like chase and fight and chase again looked kind of like something out of the Naked Gun. And I mean that in a complimentary way. Okay, yeah. And also like, so he chases into like this other room where there's a mechanic who apparently is with Chaos who like, he says, all right, knock him out as, Mac, as Smart comes in. But then Smart actually, like, this is, I like this where Max is competent at fighting. He's not like a complete doofus. Yeah, he's like Bruce Campbell from Evil Dead, where he's really dumb, except that he's good at fighting. But, I mean, he seems yeah, to be more competent in this episode. No, yeah, you're right. He's not really dumb. I think they describe him in IMDb as bumbling, which bumbling, is, bumbling, is pretty yeah, accurate. Bumbling. Yeah. I'll give you in the last episode, he he did feel kind of dumb at times, especially with like, like as a gag, the whole like reading it upside down. But here, he seems more competent. He's had greatness thrust upon him by the nature of the situation. He needs to step up. Can't get a robot to save him. (laughs) Yeah, they chase, they fight. There's a gunfight. And then he goes and fights the mechanic and knocks him out. Danker grabs this, like, welding torch. But then, you know, Max knocks him out. Mm -hmm. The mechanic starts fighting with uh, Smart. And Danker is, like, trying to, you know, a knife at Smart. But Max moves it so that the mechanic is the one who gets stabbed and killed instead. And again, like when there's a death, they have that like silly music, the wah, wah, wah. <laughs> well, and then Max says, it's just not your day, which <laughs> reminded me of the spy who dumped me all the way back to that. Yeah, why? the When they had the Uber driver who gave his oh, life for right. that. And then he dies and she's like, great ride, five stars. <laughs> yeah, but at least this one's like an actual someone involved in the spying and not just a random dude who got thrown in. Yeah, no, this is more of a James Bond one-liner after the yeah. kill. So it works a lot better. Yeah. Anyway, so they get Danker tucked away in control security when Siegfried calls. And Max tells them that they have Danker. And this starts this kidnapping war. We see all these agents being picked off the street by Chaos Control. Mm-hmm. And then we have, I like this, the board. Where Max, <laughs> Max is at the, has this board in the office which has like... Uh, buttons for how many you know control agents and how many chaos agents have been captured by each side, mm-hmm. and so I get that this is kind of funny, and it yeah. didn't it did it not work for me. But I'm also kind of like, if you could kidnap the other side's <laughs> agents like at literally any time, why haven't you been doing it before now? Is it because of a lack of leadership? They don't Maybe. have the chief. <laughs> control has 27 of their agents, and chaos has 26 of controls. But then 99 gets kidnapped, so it's all even. And then Max kidnaps Miss Dervacek, Dvorak from Chaos. <laughs> that is a name. Mm-hmm. And she starts flirting with Max. Yeah, he's like kind of into it. It came, seemed kind of skeezy. He's like, yeah, we have to send you back, but we can wait a little bit. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I assume that she's a recurring character we just never heard of before. I would not assume that. Maybe it's like that the episodes of uh, Man from Uncle where there's characters who are supposed to have been there the whole time and, you know, appear in one episode and never appear again. I also think the fact that we don't see her again at the end with the exchange seems to indicate it was just like a one-off thing. Okay. Anyways, so Max and Siegfried have a meeting. Apparently they've both run out of agents, so it's very convenient. They had equal amounts of agents. It was really funny. I, I like that, yeah. And so they start negotiating trades. Now, I am not a sports person, but this sounded like football trades almost like if there were two teams that were trading like football t- players yeah this was funny you can't have our best assassin but we'll take your best janitor or whatever <laughs> so they can't come to any agreement except for trading the chief for danker so they go to do the trade in a warehouse in an hour 
and they each release the prisoners. Then Siegfried, because remember, he's somehow a magician, mm -hmm. conjures a rabbit out of thin air, which has a gun inside it. Yeah, but, the old gun inside a rabbit track or whatever. <laughs> but then Max was prepared and has like these things on his hands, which cause like a camera flash, basically, and like and distract them. It looked like the flasher from Men in Black. Ah, like a neuralizer. It actually, what it looked like it to me was like when Tony Stark's like very early days and just has the repulsors on his hand. That's what it looked like. Okay, yeah, I can see that. So he grabs a gun, but of course the gun is just a magic gun. It's fake. Mm -hmm. And then Siegfried just proposes releasing all the agents in a mass exchange, but you know Max doesn't trust him, and then he even is like, "How about we do this? Uh, hostages, so th so that we can get all our th thing back." So I'll take. Uh, Danker, and you take the chief. Mm -hmm. The chief's like, no, no. What about? And he like proposes the same thing in like three different ways. And he's like, <laughs> no, Max, you idiot. Then you're just back where you started. <laughs> yeah, that was fine. That was fine. And so they end up just doing the exchange of all the agents one for one. There's like these two buses that are pulled up next to each other in this parking lot, and like yeah. all the agents are coming off. Yeah, two '60s VW buses. It's pretty <laughs> funny. 99 says that he spoke with Miss Dvorak about mm -hmm. her in internment. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, she's whatever she said, she was a liar. You know, he just says, she's a liar, 99, which I thought oh. was funny. It's, it's a favorite quote, but it's okay, I have more. But then just when they're about to drive away, their bus driver was kidnapped. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. And that's the end of the episode. All right, so what were your favorite quotes? Okay, so I had a few. The part where they have the, the chief hostage, he says, you didn't have to knock him out. Why don't you just shush him? And to which Siegfried says, we don't shush here. I like that. Yeah. Later when he says, if you're so smart, how come you lost two world wars? <laughs> I guess before that got old. And then later when he's fighting with Danker and Danker has the blowtorch, he says, have you ever used that before? And Danker says, no. And Smart says, well, why don't I come back a little later after you've had the chance to practice? Yeah. All right, so I've got a few. I've got when he was taking out all the guns, and he has it like the ridiculous gun, and he says, "Don't be silly. Control would never issue a weapon as vicious as this. I got it from mail order house in Chicago." I guess that's like the '60s equivalent of "I got it off of Amazon." Yeah. Well, we'll get to that in in the Spy Fact versus Fiction. Okay. Again, same scene. It's uh, where he says he wants an X11. The X11. The X11. That's out of question, Siegfried. I can't you the the X11? No, sir. No X11. By the way, Siegfried, what is the X11? <laughs> I saw it coming, but it. it I, I did too, but it worked for me. Comedy, yeah. This is a classic line, like this sort of model of that of the line is a better give up, Danker. This place is surrounded by forty control agents. Would you believe thirty? <laughs> One angry Boy Scout, Girl Scout. <laughs> yeah, I like the Girl Scout. <laughs> And then my my last one because I don't, I don't but like I enjoyed this episode. Mm. Uh, hello, is this the answering service? Do you have any kidnapping messages for Maxwell Smart? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so shall we get into our spy fact versus fiction? I do. I've already done my bit about Jaime. Okay. So one of the things I did look up because I was curious: what do control and chaos stand for? Okay. Because you know these with these shows, you know, always stand for something. Mm -hmm. Except not here. Control and chaos don't actually stand for anything in this. So I found that very fascinating. And I think I've talked about like how in the real world, people love to backronym stuff, you know, make some make up a have a acronym and make it fit somehow. 
but I was interested, like, that there's no, there's nothing here. Chaos that is just a secret government counterintelligence agency based in D.C. So, according to Wiki, it is set in D.C., whereas Chaos is described as an international organization of evil. So, on IMDb, though... Yeah, they are written in all caps. Yeah, they are. They're, uh, everywhere they're written in all caps, but no one says what what they actually stand for. Okay, interesting. So the line about IBM got me curious because I like I guess I knew IBM was op- was you know old, but I didn't realize it was that old. So, but it was apparently uh, the company actually began in 1911 as the Computing Tabulation Recording Company (CTR) and was renamed the International Business Machine- Business Machines in 1924. So it's been wow. around a long time, almost when, twenty, almost a hundred years now. Yeah, they more than hundred. Yeah, yeah, more than a hundred years. But as IBM, almost a hundred years. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else do I have? So I talked about Lyndon Johnson as uh, um, being president, and I guess I well, I, we kind of discussed it there already there, but yeah, that he would have been the president at this time, I believe. So, and again, he was from Texas, and he was very. He's the reason why. Johnson Space Center, obviously named after himself, is set in Houston because that's where he's from. In my quote, I said, you know, that he bought it from a mail order house in Chicago. That is a direct reference to the old Sears Roebuck catalog where you could order pretty much anything from there, including a bunch of different guns that you could just wow. order in a mail ma- order magazine. Sears was based in Chicago, hence the Sears Tower mm-hmm. in Chicago. Now, fun story about this. So back, ooh, when was that? 1990, 1999, I visited D.C. for the very first, well, for the first time that I can remember. Mm-hmm. And I actually took a f- tour of the FBI headquarters. And they have the, there's a, I think we talked about this in Breach, where they mm-hmm. have the firing room da- range downstairs. And one of the things they de- well, they showed off, this is back in the day when they could actually did tours and actually showed off the firing room. They, actually, like, they showed off a few different guns they had in their collection, including a cane gun that used to be sold in the Sears Roebuck catalog. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So like I said, this is, this was a, this is a real thing where, yeah, dangerous things were just sold in a catalog. I could believe that they sell guns in the catalog and that cane guns exist, but putting the two of them together, that <laughs> right? is ridiculous. Right? Yeah. yeah. And lastly, so th- as far as I know, the X11, so it's like a handheld model. Mm-hmm. But there are different that use lasers to detect missiles. The most famous or infamous is the Strategic Defense Initiative, which was instituted by Reagan in the 80s, so 20 years after this episode would have aired. But it's more commonly known as the Star Wars program, because, of course, yes. Hollywood. Well, well, Star Wars was big at the time, and it involved space lasers. <laughs> exactly. As far as I could find, there was no actual thing that the X-11 was based on. Okay. Yeah, this is the closest thing, at, even though it was 20 years afterwards. So who knows? Maybe Reagan was actually inspired by Get Smart and not Star Wars. I wouldn't be surprised, frankly. <laughs> I mean, he was an actor during this time. Ronald Reagan, the actor? <laughs> who wants a cowboy actor as president? <laughs> that's, that's great. That's two different references that we've tied together there. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we've done our quotes. Shall we get into our ratings? Yes, our ratings are on a scale of 1 to 10 martinis, 1 being a terrible spy movie or TV show, and 10 being absolutely fantastic. How would we rate these two episodes of Get Smart? I can go first. All right. I'm just trying to think in terms of how much did I laugh while watching it. So the first episode, Back to the Old Drawing Board, I would give 6 out of 10 martinis. All right. The robot stuff was interesting. I liked how it moved along. 
I did laugh quite a few times. In contrast, the Spy for Spy, I will give a five out of 10. I thought it was like, okay. The kidnapping thing and the exchange, it didn't do that much for me. The extended negotiation scenes weren't that funny and I didn't laugh as much. Interesting. All right. Actually, I feel like I enjoyed the second episode of Spy for Spy more. Like I enjoyed both episodes pretty well, pretty much. Mm-hmm. But I actually enjoyed the Spy for Spy more. Okay. So I'm going to give the first episode a six and I'll give the other one a 6.5. Like I, I enjoyed this overall. Um, mm-hmm. They were more comedic than other things we've watched. That's um, true. But I also appreciated that it was shorter. So like sometimes you get those shows that they're comedic, but they're still like 40 minutes long or mm. an hour long, or these were nice, quick to the point. Very digestible. Yes. But yeah. just compared to the Avengers, I thought the Avengers was way better and it made me want to go watch more episodes of the mm-hmm. Avengers. Sure these did not make me want to go watch more episodes. <laughs> really? I, I, I would, I would watch more get smart. Okay. If it was if it was on like a regular streaming service, which it currently is not, but if it does come like a, come, I will watch more because I like it's it's something that would be good. Just you know, if you're just if you're like folding, I don't know if this is a compliment to this show, but like I, but for me, if I'm like doing laundry, folding stuff, or putting stuff away, I like to have something on that I can watch. I don't necessarily have to pay attention to every single thing, but it's good. Like I, what used to fill the spot for me was Y five O, the current one. Mm-hmm. Okay. As whereas, all right, you know, it's there's a there's a procedure, there's a you know, there's a pattern to it, so you don't necessarily have to pay attention the whole time, but it's entertaining and fun. Okay, I'm glad that it worked for you. I'm sure my dad would be very happy to hear that. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about? No, I think that's it. Well, thank you for joining us. You can find us on social media at the SpyFi Guys under Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, I'm Zach. And I'm Christian. And we are the SpyFi Guys, signing off. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. The theme music is by Jer Fitzgerald and Big Man Joe. Media reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. You can find our podcast on social media at The Spy Five Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.